welcome back to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Hey Amanda. Hello. We are here today with a noble goal, and that is to recommend a book or a work of literature that you read with us for the next two weeks. If you've never listened to the episode or a podcast with us before, you're in the right place. We are, as I said, the Lightly Literary Podcast. We have social media feeds up for Instagram and Facebook, so follow us there. Like, recommend, subscribe, tell your friends, etc. on any podcast platform. We're just about everywhere. And as I said, this is a book recommendation, so if this is your first time, this is the perfect place to be. The goal of these episodes is to, for the next 30 minutes or so, persuade you to read a book with us for the next two weeks. We like to take our books in two-week chunks, so we'll be doing episodes on this book in the next two weeks. And the book we are here to discuss today is an Amanda Pick, so I'll set it up and then toss it to her. It is called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Amanda, talk us through why you chose this book. Um, I chose this book uh, because of the prompt that you gave me, which is um, to have a book with the a number yes. in the title. Yes. So, Seven Husbands. And um, I was looking for something that um, was in a genre that you and I had not discussed before and mm-hmm. uh, something that was current. And I stumbled upon this book um, looking through some Goodreads recommendations. And I thought that it was... Um, something that you and I probably would not read on our own. So that's yeah, why I chose it. Great to venture out. We're using this podcast as a broad platform to tackle know, myriad topics, myriad works and different genres and stuff. So this fits the bill perfectly. It is also, as you said, kind of a book of the people. It may be, though I haven't checked this fact, so doing a statistic off the cuff here, it may <laughs> be the most well-rated book on Goodreads that we've done so far. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe Stephen King would be higher. I know he's generally pretty beloved, well-regarded among the, I don't know, just the reading public (laughs) or something. I feel like also, this is um, my own bias take, I feel like Goodreads from the reviews I've seen skew far more pop fiction than perhaps what we would say really challenging literature. Like, I don't know how James Joyce is doing on Goodreads, but I do know that some of the pop stuff I've read, some of the sci-fi I've read that's pretty quick reading and pretty fast moving tends to fare pretty well up there. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know if that perception is 100% true. But anyway, yeah, this book is well-reviewed and well-regarded there, so let's get into it. Let's begin in all recommendations and we're going to begin this one the same way with a reading simile where we compare the reading of this to something else amanda go ahead and kick it off what is reading this book like i said that reading this is like making and eating mac and cheese the box kind of course oh okay (laughs) crucial it yeah (laughs) it's fast it's simple and it's still yummy in the end and hits the spot and are you a valveda or craft family um, actually I like Annie's. Oh, okay. Uh, which is organic and, um, it's, it's like craft, but, um, uh, lesser known, I suppose. Fair, fair. Craft. I turned in such a hard way. Cause I grew up craft. My mom, big fan of craft. That's one of her favorite yeah. quick treats. Well described also good simile for this one, but I grew up craft <laughs> and then I took such a hard swing in college. Somebody introduced me to Velveeta and I completely fell in love with it. In my mind, Velveeta is amazing because it comes in that gooey package and it's so processed, it's just comical. Like with Kraft, you still have to include milk and butter. So it's kind of, you're doing like the tiniest amount of cooking and kind of chemical engineering there. 
Velveeta, it comes right out of the factory, which I really respect because if I'm making a boxed version, organic, get, get it away. I can make my own organic. Uh, it's I have I know how to make a bechamel. So it's like if I want baked mac and cheese that's really thoughtful, has ingredients in it that are nuanced, different cheese blends, I can just do that on my own. And it takes more time and effort, though, so it's not like this analogy. But, right. yeah, I that's why I turned on Velveeta in a good way. It just I also like that the noodles are the cup shape. Oh yeah, the shells. Yeah, shells. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've tried Velveeta before, but I'm just not a fan of their cheese. Yeah, that's so. fair. It's it's yeah. hyper American processed cheese to to yeah. the nth degree. <laughs> you really <laughs> yeah. got to be on board with it. Yeah, no, completely. <laughs> My simile, weirdly, for this book is also about food. I put that I thought reading the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is like consuming dozens of those pixie stick candies that were popular when we were younger. It certainly hits your bloodstream, and especially when you're that age and that body weight. It'll get the blood pumping, but I can't for the life of me actually tell you the flavor of a pixie stick, just that it's a sugar rush hit right to your (laughs) veins, right to the artery, and kind of gets you jacked up. This book felt that way in that... I don't think I'm going to come away from this remembering years from now some kind of deep exploration or thematic revelation or even literary style exploration. But when I was reading it, it got me going. I certainly read it in a couple of brief sittings, and it has the things to push a story ahead. It's got a good, strong pacing and interesting characters. So, again, I don't know if I'm going to remember this years from now as some kind of strong sensory experience. But, you know, in the moment, it, it hit the blood. Yeah, yeah. Gets you going. All right, let's make our scripted pitches now. If you've never heard a recommendation from us before, the next thing we're going to move into is a scripted pitch. We have prepared something in advance that we're going to read. Each of us prepared something. It's usually about 200 words. I think mine's a little over. Let's say 200 to 300 words. <laughs> and yeah, we're just going to try and give you a, an organized, coherent pitch as to why you should read this with us for the coming weeks or in the coming weeks. Amanda, I'll have you start us off again. Go ahead. Sure. Um This novel is not typically a book I would encounter in my reading list. It's a historical romance piece devoid of many of the literary trappings that I just so love to analyze and and explore. Um, But Wandering from my usual turned out to be actually a fun endeavor. This book Mm -hmm. is fun. Yes, it deals with important themes and ideas. There's intimacy, confidence, identity, and empowerment. However, Reed presents these meaningful discussions in a story that focuses on character development and plot rather than an abundance of symbolism and other literary devices. Although this is more of what you would call perhaps a beach read, meaning it's not likely to be considered a capital L literature, it's still a book I wouldn't hesitate to recommend to people curious about the many topics explored in the book or who have never encountered the genre. I enjoy the book, and I think most people will as well. And what what genre would you put this into? What would you classify this as? Oh man, I I would call it like historical romance, probably. Yeah, yeah. If we could put the romance tag, it's definitely. I would say historical fiction if you wanted to be really broad. But yeah. yeah, it definitely slots into the romance. And I know that these days, I know, for example, in a bookstore that LG. LB oh crap I can't believe I'm butchering this now LGBTQ plus get, gets a categorization like in the Barnes and Noble I'm pretty sure I don't yeah. know if libraries or the Dewey Decimal has kind of kept up with that though I don't know if that's considered 
I know it would be a genre tag on like a Goodreads or certainly, I don't know, I would consider that like a genre tag at this point. But yeah, yeah. anyway, so it certainly slots into there too. Yep. Yeah. I get tongue-tied here at 9.40 at night. <laughs> or I'm going to blame it on the two sips of beer I've had and the time of day. Anyway, okay. Any yep. other thoughts on the on the pitch? I think well said. A beach read indeed. That's what I would say. Right, yeah. I'll give my scripted pitch here just briefly. One thing, I don't think many of the headlines or summaries I saw of this book actually capture its primary concerns, or to put it another way, the topics that it best explores. So yes, it is an LGBTQ plus novel, though it takes longer to get to that than I thought it would. It doesn't delve into it for a little while. And also, yes, it's a story of glamour and old Hollywood, though you you essentially spend zero time on a movie set in this book. It's much more concerned about kind of the culture of Hollywood and the backroom dealings. However, I think this is a great novel about selfishness, cruelty, and regret, all of which are not topics that were pitched, I think, at the front. So I don't I don't know if those would appear on the front line of the Wikipedia page, but those are what I found it did really well. I think the book reviews that adorn its cover praise Evelyn, the main character basically, as glamorous and is a relentless fighter. That's a quote. But any praise of her character, I think, must also be met with some exceptions. So she's savvy in the book, but often narrow-sighted. She's also self-aware, but often unbearably selfish. So I think, I I don't know, her first marriage in the story is kind of an important marker. As you read it, really read into it and think about it carefully, because it kind of sets up that no one is a hero in this tale. Maybe that was just my reading. And at one point in the novel, Evelyn even proclaims that people who believe in good and bad are unoriginal. And so... I think if you know going in that she's going to be a complex person and that there are certain philosophies she upholds that are intriguing, complex, and maybe even compromising, I think then it makes it for a fascinating read. There are some rom-com cliches in here, but I think that's just genre trapping stuff. And I didn't love the frame narrative, which if you follow up on the book clubs with us, you'll know why we didn't like that much. But if you know those things going in, it's a complex character study and really a pretty solid romance story too. So I think those two things popped for me. And that's my yeah, pitch. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I love the, the characterization and and um, and the plot, I think, was, was really good. Yeah. I For sure. Overall, yeah. the plot was good. <laughs> yes, one massive, let's just say the book does have a twist up its sleeve. Won't say much more. But if you, again, continue along with us for this journey, you will hear our opinions very clearly stated in Book Club 2 about what we thought of that plot twist and um, how we thought it functioned or did not function. Let's move to some quotes then, though I sprinkled some in there. We also like to, as the part of the book review, or sorry, book recommendations, old habit, as part of the book recommendations, we do like to give some quotes to clarify what the style of the book is like and what the, you can expect out of the author in this story. Amanda, let's just continue the hot streak. Go ahead and start us off with your quote for clarification. Sure thing. Um, my quote comes from page 35, and this is Evelyn, uh, the main character speaking. I was gorgeous, even at 14. Oh, I know the whole world prefers a woman who doesn't know her power, but I'm sick of all that. I turned heads. Now I take no pride in this. I didn't make my own face. I didn't give myself this body. But I'm also not going to sit here and say, aw, shucks, people really thought I was pretty like some kind of prig. End quote. Um, So I thought this was um, pretty telling of Evelyn's character. Um, she's very much like an in-your-face kind of person, very ambitious and uh, very pragmatic in a lot of ways. And her character is really the draw of this novel for oh, yeah. me. She's the she's the thing that kind of like kept me going through um, this novel. So mm-hmm. this is 
a pretty good indication of both some of her characterization as well as um, the way that she speaks, um, the way that Evelyn speaks um, right. in general. So, yeah. Yeah, certainly. A good amount of, we can infer about her character just from that quote, which, yeah, I think is telling. Mine also from page 47, or rather, from page 47, is also about her character and I think reveals some some of the nuances at play in the story. She's in a movie and it reads, When the movie came out, Ernie and I went to see it. Ernie thought it was funny, his little wife with a little line in a movie. I had never made much money before, and now I was making as much as Ernie after he was promoted to key grip. So I asked him if I could pay for acting classes. I'd made him a rose con pollo that night, and I specifically didn't take my apron off when I brought it up. I wanted him to see me as harmless and domestic. I thought I'd get further if I didn't threaten him. It grated on my nerves to have to ask him how I could spend my own money, but I didn't see another choice. Sure, he said, I think it's a smart thing to do. You'll get better, and who knows, you might even star in a picture one day. I would star. I wanted to punch his lights out. And then she goes on. What seems like a pretty innocent, if not even supportive act by him is met with that kind of resistance. She's just fierce, you know, and she's she knows how to manipulate things. She knows how to put on appearances, and a lot of the novel deals with appearances. Now, of course, in this scene, she's also sympathetic because she's in a male-dominated field that gives her almost no leeway, power, or privilege. But I think that reactions like that and the way she views people and treats them is part of the complication of the story, and it certainly draws in, I think, the most interesting ideas, themes, and all that complexity. And so I, I like this quote just because... I my reading of this book was very much colored by the first husband she has, this man Ernie that I read from. There are other obvious there's seven total, so there's others and other relationships in the book. But I just thought this was such an important tone setter. So if you do agree to go into it and you want to read this story, I would say pay a careful attention to some of the undertones in that first marriage. Yeah, for sure. And I love that quote too, because it just it shows how strategic and manipulative she really is. Like it's Yeah. Yeah, she's she can be ruthless at times. For sure, for sure. And I there are times when that comes across as as such as kind of cold-blooded. I would even say some moments of cruelty for sure, but then of course the story wants to introduce complications to nearly all of that and some of that again we talk about it pulls off well, some perhaps not as much, but we discuss those things. Any other words on the story in general or or the style? Uh nope. Get on board with rhetorical questions, folks. There's a lot of them. Oh, yeah. That's one of the, in terms of stylistic flourishes, there are tons of rhetorical questions to stop and <laughs> to give you stop moments to ponder the themes and ideas at play. So, mm-hmm. And um, lots of dialogue. That's the driving force, I think. Yeah. In, in terms of structure, it just jumps from one argument to another, kind of. That's sort of the rhetorical, not even rhetorical, but the structural decision at play is sort of lots of conversation, lots of dialogue. Beach read, as you rightly said. Easy reading. Let's finish up here, Amanda, with the recommendation. We are going to reach into the literary knapsack. This is when we try and give decided readers, if you're going to venture into this book with us, a piece of advice, reading advice, usually about something literary, some kind of literary mechanism that might help them understand and approach the work a little more intelligently. So what do you think will help them? What are you going to give them from the literary knapsack? Um, In case you couldn't pick up on it um we are very much interested in characterization yeah yeah. specifically evelyn's so i chose characterization for this week um and this is a literary device that's used in literature to highlight and explain the details about a character 
Um, and then it's kind of like broken down into different stages of character development. So first is when the writer introduces the character with some kind of something that catches your attention. And then there is the behavior. And then we get the thought processes of the character. And then we see the opinions and the ideas of the character, like actually from the character, the development there. Um, and then the conversations with the rest of the characters. The final part shows um, how the story, how others in the story respond to the character's personality as well. So you actually do yeah, see that progression yeah. with Evelyn as well if you follow um, from the beginning. And there's also two types of characterization. There's direct or explicit characterization, and there's indirect or implicit characterization, which I think is pretty self-explanatory there. Um, mm -hmm. And this novel specifically uses direct characterization um, in that there is another character narrator or protagonist herself to tell the readers or audience about the subject. Um, and so she is actually, Evelyn is talking about herself. So <laughs> Yeah, and as a study yeah. of lenses through which she can be examined... Granted, yeah. all of the memories are hers, of course, so her memories of other people are her memories and all. We could color it that way. But at least we get the frame narrative. That's my segue. Because the frame right. narrative gives us an entirely different perspective to think about Evelyn. The magazine editor, her boss, all that stuff. So let's talk about the frame narrative. That's what I'm reaching into the knapsack for. A frame story or frame narrative is one which contains either another tale, a story within a story, or a series of stories. In this case, it is a series of tales or memories that Evelyn gives to a reporter who is working for a magazine that isn't Vogue. Vivant? Vivant? Vivant, yeah. Vivant? I don't... Yeah. I was going to say vibrant, but that <laughs> didn't sound quite right. It's pretty close. <laughs> Kinda, yeah, and I think that's the energy it was going for. Anyway, and so... Even though it doesn't occupy a large percentage of the story's pages, I would estimate, what, 25% of it is in the frame? Yeah. Or I guess out of the frame, I should say. Like 75% mm -hmm. of it is Evelyn's memories and her talking about her life. Yeah. I think that it's such a significant part of the story and has such clear impacts by the end. So you'll get introduced to Monique very quickly in the story, and then she definitely fades for long periods of it. But there is a reason she's there. The book is not trying to sort of put a red herring in, it becomes incredibly obvious by the end what has happened. And I really don't think that you can analyze Evelyn's character or even the story itself without also assessing the frame. So, and, you know, without spoiling, which we never spoil on these episodes, you just got to pay careful attention to it. It's easy to breeze past them. There were times because I wasn't as invested in it or maybe just didn't think it was as well done. I kind of just wanted to skip past it and get back to Evelyn. In a way, that would be, not even in a way, that would be a huge mistake. <laughs> Again, yeah. I don't think you can understand the end of this book without considering the frame and the development of that in Monique. So I, I think that Evelyn's story is more dramatic and frankly, way more dynamic. But yeah, don't ignore what's going on and kind of how the plot moves along on the outside too. Yeah. Any thoughts on, on the frame and its effectiveness? Yeah, there's... um. There's not a whole lot of um, Monique's story uh, yeah, compared yeah. to Evelyn's, but yeah, I think that they, she very, Taylor Jenkins Reid very clearly wanted there to be a connection and yep, it's there. It is, <laughs> it is for sure. And to understand the ending, you'll need to see how that, those things come together. Okay. Any final thoughts, Amanda, on the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid? 
Um, no, there's um, she actually wrote, uh, I guess, a previous book too, uh, called mm-hmm. the something Daisy and the Six or whatever, which apparently like was a New York Times bestseller and stuff. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I, I might pick that up one day. Just with next time I go to the beach, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, when you need that kind of buzzed read. Yeah, because I mean, I, I did enjoy the book, so. I yeah, I did too to an extent. I don't know. I mean, I I would enjoy almost any book that we did together on the book club because, you know, coming out of the Penguin Classics, that was our old book review series, we certainly waded through texts in there that were things I would not approach on my own for fun, as they say, or, you know, for enjoyment, entertainment, pleasure, whatever. And I don't think I would lump this in because it was so much more readable, but I'm not sure if I would go off and read another of her works on my own, but if it was with people, I certainly would. There was a lot Mm -hmm. we talked about, you know. Oh, for sure. Plenty to discuss. So, yeah, made for a pretty rich conversation. Hopefully you, the listener, can join us for the next two weeks as we go through this book. If our pitch today was not persuasive enough for you, we understand and respect that. Let's talk about the books that we're going to do later. So, as we mentioned, this book is going to take up the next two weeks on the feed. We'll post book club episodes every Friday, as we always do. So those will be there for you to listen to. After this book, the next three books in order are The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison, Native Speaker by Chang Ray Lee, and Blood, Bones, and Butter by Gabriel Hamilton. I'm not going to describe those today. If you're interested in them, go look them up. We will do book recommendations for those as always, so just keep your eyes on this feed and eventually we'll come in with a new book about every two weeks as we've been doing and we'll recommend them and talk about them then. Any final thoughts today, Amanda, before we close out? Nope, I'm all good. Fantastic. Yeah, look forward to The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo coming up soon. And until next time, we will see you between the pages. 